John Wick decapitates the box office, an Alfred Hitchcock classic is getting remade at Paramount, and an executive at Marvel has reportedly been fired. Hello, movie friends, and welcome back to Raiders of the Lost Podcast, the ultimate film and TV podcast. There is a ton of movie and TV news to go over from the past week, but let's get into the box office first. And John Wick, to no surprise to anyone, absolutely dominated with a very strong $70 million opening weekend in America. That's domestic. Well, in America, Canada, North America. Mm-hmm. So domestic, that's huge numbers, probably internationally. What, probably like 130, 150? Close I bet. to 200, yeah. That's a huge hit, man. Yeah. This movie, that budget, I don't even think was maybe $100 million, mm-hmm. but... That's really great news. We love John Wick, and this was such a good time. Highly recommend it. It's a long movie. It's about two hours and, what, like 45 50. minutes? Yeah. 50 minutes, so definitely go to the bathroom before it starts. But <laughs> it was awesome. It was, it was just an excellent addition to the franchise, and obviously... Teasing what's going to come next, basically in the in the in the John Wick verse. It was it was very impressive, terrific stunt work, great fight choreography, and just some insane car stuff. So I was very satisfied as a fan of the franchise. It got it hit all the beats you wanted to hit. We're going to talk about it on Thursday, and then in second place, Scream Six had an eight point eight weekend, and then Shazam: Fury of the Gods unfortunately bombed, dropped eighty percent. <sighs> In its second weekend, down to only eight point six million, so it's only made forty five million in its two weeks of release in domestic. Yeah, and Scream that this is its third weekend, so eight million on a third weekend is totally fine, and it had a huge opening weekend. Eighty percent drop for a movie yeah. that is insane. Well, I mean, that's kind of just been the the common thread of these recent superhero films. Yeah, just being front loaded. Um, next up, we have Creed three with an eight point one million weekend. This is its fourth weekend of release and is actually closing in on. 200 million it's at 170 200 global yeah but domestically it's closing in on 200 which is very impressive it's at 170 65 came in fifth place with a 3.7 million it's at 30 million right now ant-man 3 200 2 million and it broke the domestic 200 million mark with 209 million dollars domestically jesus revolution came in eighth place with 2 million champions ninth place with 1.4 million and then avatar 2 is still playing it got 1.2 million in box office. A lot of this people weekend. went to the movies. Yeah. Wow. Probably all the rain in California. Everyone's like, I must be, the yeah. house. <laughs> it's been raining a ton. Now, let's get into movie news. And the first bit of news is pretty disappointing, I think, for, for us and for a lot of people. Vertigo, Alfred Hitchcock's classic, is getting remade at Paramount. Reportedly, Robert Downey Jr. is in talks to star, which means that they'll probably Oh, no, he is. He is produ- it confirmed he's now? producing it with, with Susan Downey, his partner, they're producing it. I didn't it. know if it was officially yeah, confirmed that official. he's going to star yet. Yeah. And the one good bit of news here is that Stephen Knight is going to be writing the script. Now, Stephen Knight's an awesome writer. He wrote, obviously, Peaky Blinders. He's like that show creator. Locke, Spencer, terrific, terrific writer. But... They're still remaking Alfred Hitchcock's movie, Vertigo. So that's a major con. I mean, I'm not really excited about this news. Yeah, all of Hitchcock's films, he's made, he made a bunch of uh, masterful classics. This kind of sets it up for all of them to get remade, which I think is kind of sad as someone who really loves those films. And also, it, it is a precursor for like now basically anything's on the table to get remade because this has always been 
uh, diamond in terms of film history, Vertigo in terms of its filmmaking, storytelling, Alfred Hitchcock's directing, and it was just a smash hit for critics, audiences, and for film in general. And it's a very important film to film history. So I'm worried that because of this, now a lot of great old movies that shouldn't be remade are going to be getting remade. And also... If I'm, it performs well at yeah, the box it, office. Well, that's my that's what I'm saying is I don't think that it will do well at the box office. It doesn't seem like a prop a, a IP that people are like clamoring to see. Like, oh yeah, I can't wait to see Vertigo. Maybe they'll make it more action heavy. Uh, hopefully, more entertaining. I would say for modern audiences, but I just don't see like audiences having an interest in even seeing a remake. No, even if Downey's in it. So I think it's an odd choice of a movie to remake, and it also worries me about like what other. Classic films are going to get remade. They must have a good idea for a script. They must. Stephen Knight must think he can do something different with it. Reinterpretation, whatever. But not super excited. And unfortunately, it's not the only remake reboot in today's episode, which we'll get into some more. But we have some news now. Moving on to Air. So Ben Affleck's new film co-starring Matt Damon and Viola Davis about the formation of the Air Jordan is getting rave reviews, first of all. Just played at South by... And everyone's been saying it's a fantastic film. I think everyone forgot that Ben Affleck directed Gone Baby, Gone the Town, and Argo Fuck Yourself. (laughs) Yeah, he's a great director. Best picture winner. He just hasn't directed since uh, Live By Night. Yeah, which was uh, a (laughs) misstep. Disappointing, yeah. yeah. However, Affleck's and Damon's production company, they're making this film. And this is the first production company to ever have back-end shares for heads of crew departments. So... Generally, with big stars, especially like them, they'll get their salary for a film, but then they'll get like a share of box office. It's not a huge share, but it'll be like 1% of the box office of a movie. That's a lot of money in the long run. So it incentivizes uh, actors to, you know, work on the project and work harder, I guess, as a way of like motivating them. And also a reward system, basically, of something that gets them more money and generates them more revenue if they sign on to this project. That's always been the case for big name celebrities. But Damon and Affleck, they changed it where it's the heads of crew are getting it too. So the cinematographer, hair and makeup department heads, uh, production designer, uh, costume designer, all these heads of these departments of the crew, they have signed on to this project to also receive back-end shares of the box office. It's the first time it's ever happened, and Damon and Affleck are doing it because they want to make the set equitable and not just reward just the celebrities and big names after the fact, but also reward the artists that are actually physically making the film as well. So I think it's a huge step in the right direction of rewarding artists on film crews, and I think it's a fantastic story. That's really cool. Yeah. What such such cool guys. Yeah. They're from Massachusetts. Great did you dudes. know that? <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, we have some Mission Impossible 7 Dead Reckoning Part 1 news. We got it's a long title. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got news that actor Rolf Saxon is returning in this film. There's an image of him online. He was he played the computer analyst in the first Mission Impossible film at CIA headquarters, who's in that super secret lockdown office that has the knock list where Ethan and his team go in and steal, you know, the motion sensor floor and the temperature controlled room, the, the sweat drop 
propelling down on the rope. Legendary. That actor who, the last we heard from him, Kittredge goes, I want him manning a radar in Alaska. Just by the end of the day, mail him his clothes. So we haven't heard of this character since the first film. And obviously Kittredge is back in this one as well because he's in the trailer. So I'm really excited and curious about what the storyline is going to be about these old characters from the original Mission Impossible film coming back in Dead Reckoning in Mission Impossible 7, what's the setup going to be? That's so cool because it's not like he was like, I mean, it's a major character to the plot, but he only had like a couple of lines. It was just like, he was just there and we saw outside from Ethan's perspective of him. So I thought, I think it's great nod to the original because De Palma really set the stage for this franchise to be successful and having these two characters back gets me really excited. And I'm sure they're not going to have obviously juicy roles or big parts of the plot, but it's just great how they're tying it to the original. Maybe he'll join Ethan's team. <laughs> I'm curious like how Kittred's going to fit in. Is he going to be the antagonist again? Because he was really, even though he's the supervisor at CIA, whatever. He, it seems like Shay Wiggum's going to be the antagonist. Yeah, possibly. That's what I'm guessing. I, I'm, I'm ecstatic. Cannot wait. Some other news. Succession Season 4 drops tonight. I believe it's at 9 Fuck p.m. <laughs> 9 p.m. Pacific and Eastern, I believe. it's. Oh, they're delaying I, it here? I think for the for, for the premiere. Uh-huh. I think like House of the Dragon did that for their premiere, too. They want everyone to watch it at once. At the same. Or, yeah. Uh-huh. You have to wait till 9 p.m. Everywhere, I think. Okay, well, I'm sure for the rest of the season, it'll be 6 p.m. in the yeah, West Coast. that's usually how it's been like for yeah. HBO shows. That's mm-hmm. what they did with House of the Dragon. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's 9 p.m. for everybody, no matter the time zone. I'm so excited. I can't wait to watch it tomorrow night. It's going to be great. Oh, yeah. And next up, Robert Pattinson, Amy Adams, Forrest Whitaker, and Robert Downey Jr. have been announced to star in Adam McKay's next film. Very exciting news. And the film is called Average Height, Average Build. It'll be a dark political satire about an ambitious serial killer played by Pattinson who vies for a political seat with the hidden agenda of making laws more friendly to murderers like himself. I think that Adam McKay is is such a talented writer and director. In big short, I love such a great film about the Wall Street crash. Anchorman. Anchorman's fantastic, <laughs> obviously, Step Brothers. Now, I wasn't the biggest fan of Don't Look Up, but I think that he still has, he's still one of the best voices in political satire, probably the best voice in political satire. So it would be fun to see him play on the fact that our system is so corrupt that people will lobby Congress to make laws for anything and to make horrible things or deregulate things and make it easier for criminals to be criminals. And I think this is a great idea to satirize that. That's pretty funny. I wonder if he'll be like a serial killer that people know about. Or, yeah, yeah, I wonder. He's probably like secretly a serial killer, yeah, but also a politician. That's my guess. So, and I can't wait to see Pattinson. This is a this must. This sounds like a great character. This sounds like he's playing Bruce Wayne, kind of. <laughs> Minus not the serial killing, but like the character. Like because mm-hmm. Bruce is very much like a political actor in a lot of Gotham's storylines yeah, 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 for yeah. the public yeah, yeah not because there's always three versions of the character sure yeah we have bruce in the public bruce at home then batman oh, i didn't know that yeah <laughs> anyways well this isn't a batman podcast we, we, did you know that he's playing a character i just want to clarify what i was saying <laughs> because there's two different types of bruce waynes mother effer <laughs> do you have like an entire wikipedia background of bruce wade for us it's a recite i don't need one <laughs> I am a Wikipedia. I'm Bruce Wayne. I'm not. <laughs> Oppenheimer news. You know, John Wick was two hours and 50 minutes. But Oppenheimer's hitting that three-hour runtime. This is the longest film that Christopher Nolan has made. I believe Interstellar was second longest. It was the longest at the time, 169 minutes for that movie, which is really long. Mm-hmm. Um, even The Prestige feels like it's about two and a half as well. Dark Knight Rises, I think, is the second longest. 
and after um, 245 i think that after film. interstellar yeah so this will now yeah. be his longest film very excited about this movie you know it's our most anticipated film of the year beyond excited the cast is absurd and I, I'm just even more excited that it's going to be three hours long. I mean, if it's great, then three hours is great. Like, I, I love long movies as long as they maintain their interest and their suspense and their conflict really well throughout that entire runtime. Then I totally am happy to watch a movie for three hours if it's great. So, Absolutely. So I'm... For me, I mean, I would like it longer, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, speaking of long movies, we just got tickets for Lord of the Rings Return of the Kings. They're doing the Return the kings? of the King. <laughs> How many kings? I meant to say King's release. I was going to, but then I stopped and changed the sentence. Return Sorry, of the I King's can't. release. 20 year anniversary. Asshole. <laughs> On April 13th and April 19th, a lot of theaters are doing a one time showing for this incredible epic but it'll be the extended version so it's like a four hour and 14 minute runtime is it one night only it's one night well, oh it's just those two nights oh gotcha so april 13th and april 19th uh -huh. one showing per theater because wow. it's four that's why it was hours. sold out yeah. so in all those theaters so you gotta get tickets asap we found a theater in la that we're gonna go to that we managed to get tickets but i recommend if you're interested in doing that get your ticks asap april 13th april 19th all kinds of uh uh, chains are doing it. We got AMC's, but I saw like Lamel's doing it in LA as well as some others. I, yeah, I think Regent too. So uh, I can't believe it's twenty years old. That's crazy. That's crazy. It's gonna be epic. I'm bringing like a sandwich and Get in a like a bottle of wine. Yeah, it's <laughs> gonna be great. We're gonna sneak these in. Gonna wear some baggy clothes. And I just watched the I just watched the extended versions only a few months ago, and I think in December I watched them, and. I watched them, and it took me five nights to watch them all, but it was just fantastic. So the Return of the King Extended Edition will have the Mouth of Sauron at the end, right? It will, yeah. It does have that. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I've seen that scene a bunch of times. I think it's really cool. It's fantastic. It works better outside of the theatrical cut, but mm. I think it's just really cool to see, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, it does make sense because they set it up for that scene where um, the orcs stealing the the vest from Frodo when they capture him and then you never see that vest again but we do see in the in the theatrical cut theatrical cut you see that orc taking that vest yeah. and leaving mm -hmm. so uh they, they did set that up and it's, it was Jackson's original plan but there there actually is a lot more of the king uh what's I'm sorry what's his name king of Gondor oh um of Rohan, Rohan's king. What's his name? Theoden. Theoden. There is a lot of Theoden deleted from the theatrical cut. Is this all you can muster, <laughs> Sauron? And I was really impressed by the actor because I'm not. Sh I'm not sure if I had seen the extended edition before last year. Maybe I had years ago, but I was like, wow, this actor has a much more uh, interesting role and way more to do in the, in the extended version. And he absolutely crushed it. I watched it. I was like, that guy should have got an Oscar nomination. He fucking destroyed it. Bernard Hill. He's great in it. So he definitely has a much more, a much uh, bigger storyline in the extended version. That's, I think, the biggest difference for sure. Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, I, I feel like it didn't get any acting nominations is because there's so many great performances, but also it's just... I mean, Sean pretty, Astin, man. Sean Astin was awesome. He's great. And he's really terrific. He's a supporting actor, I think. Like, it's definitely... He should have been uh, accoladed all over the place. Absolutely. I'll, How about you tell everyone about this MCU? The Marvel shakeup? The shakeup, the firing of Victoria Alonso. So, Victoria Alonso has been with Marvel since 2004, before Disney bought Marvel, um, so just a, several years later. And she was the visual effects post-production and animation president, as well as an executive producer of um, many of the films. So she's been heavily involved in the Marvel film production since day one. 
She was shockingly fired a couple of days ago out of nowhere. Um, it was a surprise to her and all of the industry insiders. So she she was, um, <clears throat> according to insiders, she breached a 2018 agreement that included the company's standards of business conduct, which states that employees cannot work for competing studios. Now, Alonzo was a producer on the Oscar-nominated film Argentina 1985, which was a Amazon release. She did not give notice about this film. However, IndieWire published last month that the film stated she did have permission from Disney to produce that film. It sounds like an excuse to fire her. Yeah, so... Or when, what they're telling people. Yeah, it's kind of going back and forth. So when Disney found out about the project and the violation, her longtime service and veteran status led the company to give her a dispensation on the condition that she did not work on the movie further. So they were like, okay, you're working on this film, just cease your work on the film and we'll give you a pass, basically is what they said. And she was not able. She was also not allowed to promote or publicize the film in any way because it was a rival studio. However, throughout the last year or so, um, no, over the last several months, she was promoting the film, going to the premieres, and just promoting it to insiders as as part of Amazon's release, and eventually getting its Oscar nomination and promoting that in the press. So, also throughout the last year, Marvel has pumped out an unprecedented number of series and movies. General impression emerged that the visual effects artists, there's been a bunch of stories about visual effects artists at Marvel, were not being well treated and attributed to the factors including extremely long working hours, drum tight deadlines, and a lack of a singular vision. Animators not wanting to disclose who they are, complaining about Marvel, saying they're working to 1 a.m. every night, they're working weekends. Yeah, we've, we've seen those yeah. reports all, all over the place. They're working crazy hours to meet these deadlines and also. They're being stretched thin, which is why the visual effects has not being been held up to the old standard of Marvel, especially in the last couple of years. And Alonzo has been the head of visual effects. However, you also have to blame the the release dates that Disney puts on these um, productions to be like, we need this movie to come out on June 12th. Get it ready or else. So a lot of factors go into that. One visual effects artist said, you can only ask a person to stay until 1 a.m. working on visual effects shots for so long before things start to break. Now, that was a, a unidentified production source. Another post-production talent says they have avoided working with Marvel because of Alonzo's reputation for being challenging. So I think there's a lot going on here. I don't think it's one issue. I think it's a pretty complex. However, Kevin Feige, was I don't think he was involved in the firing. I think it was the Disney execs and Iger made it happen yeah it seems like from what i've heard also from reading reports that she and chapek did not get along and i also believe that she was helping run the tv department the tv shows chapek is the the film president of marvel yeah well no he was the the former disney former CEO. Disney. sorry sorry he was just sorry, he just sorry. filled in after Iger. so after Iger left right before covid chapek came in and i believe that chapek and alonzo butted heads over a lot of things and publicly and privately and also, I believe she was running the, uh, helping run the TV department, all the shows that were coming out the last few years. And yeah, so, so so Feige, from what else I read, that Feige was getting stretched thin with all the projects, so she took over most of the TV stuff. So she was running the TV yeah. department and all the TV originals on Disney Plus for Marvel. And obviously, Chapek left, was fired, what, like a, a couple months ago, and then Iger came back in. Mm -hmm. And it seems like maybe she's she so surprised because maybe she thought she was safe now that Iger was back because me and Chapek 
butt heads. Oh, he's gone. Like, I'm good. Yeah. But that's probably why it was such a shocker for her and for Marvel that she was cut because it seems like if she had so much power and sway at Marvel that anything's on the table, not just with Marvel, but with any anything at Disney, whether it's ESPN, Star Wars, Disney, Lucasfilm, like, they're probably... Pixar. They're definitely, yeah. it seems like... Cleaning house because they obviously cut. There's cutting seven thousand employees and dropping three point five billion dollars from the film and TV department and everything like that. Stopping so, production on a lot of projects. Just, yeah, and even if not just stopping production, delaying and switching everything from having de- dates for these movies and shows to coming soon now instead because a lot of these things are going through post work. I mean, even just the Marvels. I mean, Miss Marvel. Mm-hmm. That sh- that show was actually completely reshot. Miss uh, Miss Marvel was the teenager one. Yeah, with um from the girl that's going to be in the Marvels. Uh-huh. So that that's what that show is called, right? Mm-hmm. On Disney Plus. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. And so yeah, Miss Marvel, Marvel was yeah. from I believe was completely reshot after they finished it, then they had to redo it again. Really? Yeah. That's uh, I guess how bad the the mm-hmm. um test screenings were for that show. So mm-hmm. that show was something like an example of like they they made the show and they had to make it again because mm-hmm. it just didn't fit the bill. It wasn't good enough. Wow. And but it eventually became like a pretty solid show. People really enjoyed it. And then the Marvels got delayed four months. Yeah, all the way to November. I wouldn't be surprised mm. if it gets delayed again. Yeah, so I, I bet it will. It seems like Iger coming back. He's like, we're cleaning up shop. We're changing things at Marvel at Disney in general. So mm. that's probably why it was such a shock to her. Yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens. I don't think we'll get more information outside of this for a long time. Outside of these, because both sources, b- both sides refuse to comment, and none of their lawyers are commenting right now. So it's probably going to be a long time before. We hear what exactly is going on there. And all we know is what we read on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> on the interwebs. <laughs> on the webs. <laughs> that's that's it. We're translate we're relaying that news to you. So Marvel is having a shakeup right now. We got some set photos of Joker 2 with the first look of Lady Gaga as Harley Quinn in Todd Phillips' sequel. Looks it's it, interesting. Looks great. Yeah. I'm curious. I wish I could see less set photos of this movie because I'm very intrigued in, in wondering what it's going to be like. And yeah. it seemed like possibly like a musical sequence maybe outside. She's like outside with police. Some seems to be some unrest or protest going on. It looks like she's walking into a courtroom. I like the makeup courthouse. because it's very subtle. And I wonder yeah. if they'll expand on it. Yeah, I like the outfit too. It's the She's got the checkered look in there, but it's like a very, it's like business attire style. And she's got like those, mm. the diamond eye makeup, but it's just very small above her eyes and mm-hmm. below her eyes. Yeah. I, but I bet you by the end of the film, she's got a little more... Of that going on, like more of the Harley Quinn makeup yeah. look. I'm guessing that Warner Brothers wants to start releasing more images, like actual images, because they don't want just set photos to be what people are seeing. So I'm guessing we're going to see some more stuff sometime soon from Warner Brothers. But this is just people are capturing on set. Mm-hmm. So what do you? What? How do you feel? Do you think it's getting spoiled too much? And there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, I mean. It is what it is. It's part of the game, especially when you're filming in New York City. Yeah, people, people like people, see, people are people around. See it. There's a few people in New York. They got cameras. <laughs> you can't. You can shut down a, a block, but not an entire fucking street. There are so, people yeah. that their job is just finding movie sets and taking photos of the sets. And trying them. To, yeah, yeah, that's like what they do for a living. So it's yeah. impossible, especially when you have exteriors in New York City. I wish I couldn't see it, but also at the same time, it's part of the game. It is what it is. It's part of the game, everyone. I, I get very excited at first. I'm always like, oh, I wish I didn't see this, but also that's pretty cool. <laughs> and then also, I mean, think like we're going to see a trailer, so the trailer is going to show us everything eventually. So it is what it is. Next up, there's some news about Gears of War. Netflix is producing the live action adaptation of the beloved video game, and it has enlisted Dune writer Jonathan Spates. So Jonathan Spates is a really great writer. He also co-wrote... 
um, Marvel's Doctor Strange, which I think is one of the better Marvel movies for sure. Mm-hmm. So great writer. He did an, an excellent job on on Dune translating that crazy novel into something that audiences could enjoy. So I'm looking forward to Gears of War adaptation. Maybe I'm guessing they're taking note from HBO's The Last of Us to be as faithful to the game as they can be. So we'll see. I think that show is changing the game for studios to look at video games and, you know, that stigma that you can't make a good game to movie adaptation and being like, we can actually pull this off. The Last of Us pulled it off really well for making probably the best game adaptation on screen of all time. And now Chad Stahelski said recently that they're hitting down the gas pedal for Ghost of Tsushima to go forward with him being the director. And so he's like, they're like more excited than ever because of the success of The Last of Us. Yeah. And not Gears of War, dude, that would be so cool to get this going soon too. And then, and, but just to changing the approach of buying an a video game IP and then making a new story for our film, which is ne- I think has never, if maybe a couple of times worked, but most of the time doesn't work. But like, let's the take do there. It's already do done. The fucking game it's does already fucking just written do that. For you. Just do that it's, and make it two and a half hours. That's they, all you have to do. They've already come up with a great narrative yeah. and a great storyline. Just fucking do that. Yeah. Change it up a little bit here and there, but it's it's good to go, man. Just, everybody already likes it. Pop that thing in the <laughs> oven. 350 for Throw it in the easy bake oven, man. For six months, you're good to go. It's like it's it's pretty easy. You don't have to make a new friggin' story. It's just cast somebody yeah. who looks like the characters and you're good. <laughs> <laughs> just take the script from the game and just print it out and have them do that. <laughs> just do that. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. We got some Jordan Peele news. So his next film, which will be the fourth in his filmography, is set to be released on Christmas. 2024, we have no idea what the film is going to be about. Can guarantee it's going to be a, a trippy sci-fi horror movie, probably. Um, he's tackled all co- kinds of interesting themes. Aliens most recently. So, I'm very excited, obviously. You can't wait. Christmas Day is a big release date, so good for him. It's going to be Universal's uh, big movie in the winter. Oh, yeah. I love Jordan Peele. Next up, Star Wars has hired Stephen Knight. James talked about him earlier as a great writer and filmmaker. To replace Damon Lindelof. David Lindelof. David 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 Lindelof. I thought it was David, Damon. I David, thought it was Damon Lindelof. David Lindelof. I think he's I think it's David Lindelof. Double check. David Lindelof. Did you copy and paste this or did you write this? Da- Damon Lindelof. Damon Lindelof. <laughs> you fucking idiot. Da- fired. Damon Lindelof. Well, he's fired. <laughs> Damon Lindelof. <laughs> it is Damon Lindelof. He's a, He's been like a co-writer with Jay. He's been a writer on a lot of J.J. Abrams projects. He wrote Lost. He wrote the Star Trek movies. He's like, had a Star Wars movie supposedly in development for yeah, years now. He did uh, Prometheus. He did the Watchmen TV series. So he's written a ton of stuff. He was working on this, and then Disney has just fired him and hired Stephen Knight to replace him in this new Star Wars trilogy. Rumors are that there's going to be a Star Wars trilogy announced in April at one of the events, wow. one of the cons. I think it's smart because, like you were saying earlier, Stephen Knight, he's a veteran writer and filmmaker, but he's an excellent writer. And I think that he's a smart person to, as, as a voice of an entire trilogy to branch it out a trilogy of films and make the narrative make sense rather than having let's get a screenwriter and filmmaker here let's get someone completely different for the who's second one who's gonna do one. the next one I don't uh, give a fuck crap we JJ, JJ who should we get for the, what are you gonna do for the second one it's not my problem yeah it's not my problem and then like oh the audience didn't really like the second one can we get can you come back someone else like who else wants to do this alright how do I fix this what should we do for the now that we're done with the first one what should the second one be about I don't fucking know dude <laughs> not my problem bro figure it out <laughs> so this is actually, I think this is good news also but but actually, you know, 
that's kind of restoring my faith in Star Wars because the shows have been pretty disappointing. And even this season of Mandalorian has not been terrific, you know, for me. And uh, I, I feel like it's just got a little boring and it feels like Boba Fett. So I feel like there's been a downwards trajectory for audiences as well for Star Wars. I mean, the Mandalorian, the season three is barely putting up Boba Fett numbers for streams, which is really? shocking. It's barely doing those same numbers. And Boba really? Fett was not a very highly streamed show. Obviously, Andor was their lowest show, I believe, for streaming on Disney Plus ever mm. for original releases. So mm. they are hurting. And I think this is a great step in the right direction to get Star Wars back, get Star Wars back in movie theaters ASAP, but get a great writer with a good vision. Well, I think they're beginning to realize that too much was a problem. There's just too, There was too much to watch. And people not getting a break. And when you don't have a break from the brand, it makes people, I think, less excited for the brand. Whereas when it was like oh, only a Star Wars movie comes out every three years, it was like, oh, it was an event. It was a, a yeah. big thing. I think there's something to that. But also quality over quantity. True. You know, that's what Iger yeah. said a couple of weeks ago. He's like, we're going to not focus on we're going to focus on quantity over quality. I mean, focus <laughs> on quality over quantity rather than quantity over yeah. quality, which he's just yeah. basically admitting that the quality has not been there. They've just yeah. been trying to put stuff out. ASAP, which is probably why all these firings are happening for these executives, because they realized that they just took the wrong route. And just it, because of lockdowns, they went hard on just whatever it is. Get it out there. Get stuff out there. ASAP. Boom. Streamers. Yeah. We don't care. Rush it. Rush it. Fa the visual effects. Do the best you can. More. Do, do the visual More! effects in a week if you can. This <laughs> like, has been Disney for four years. More. So now I think they're like, let's. So I don't think there's a problem with like having multiple shows in a movie every year. Sure, but if, it's, yeah, yeah. if the quality is great, then I think that's the key. Yeah, that's a good point. Speaking of Star Wars, the Daniels have signed on to their first project post their Oscar win. They're going to be directing an episode of Star Wars Skeleton Crew. This show is going to be starring Jude Law and a bunch of young actors. It comes from Spider-Man No Way Home director John Watts and follows four kids who find themselves lost in the vastness of the galaxy trying to find their way home. It takes place in the New Republic era, so it's possible it could cross over into the events of The Mandalorian and Ahsoka. And the Daniels will be making an original Daniels film for their next movie. This is just they're doing some TV just mm -hmm. to, you know. I'm sure it's a dream thing to do a Star Wars project. Yeah, and also, like, it takes a while to get a film going. Yeah. So they have, I'm, sh I'm sure they have some time to yeah, do stuff. But like, Taika Waititi did a couple yeah. of Mandalorian episodes. Happens all the time. I mean, freaking Quentin Tarantino directed an episode of CSI. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. It's absolutely was true. Was it CSI or was it, or was the it CSI. like, yeah, so, CSI. so a lot of directors, it's just because they're Oscar winners doesn't mean they can't do TV. It was the, uh, the feet murderer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he played the killer. <laughs> but the, the next. Feet, the foot strangler. <laughs> <laughs> he also is a movie director. <laughs> but their Strangles woman's feet. <laughs> their next film will be an original Daniels project. <laughs> Comedian Burt Kreischer has a movie coming out based on a real life story of his going to Russia in his youth. It's called The Machine. And so basically he had this wild partying trip in Russia. And then now in this film, this fictional story that continues that is it's a retelling of what happened in Russia. Then the Russians are like trying to find him and hunt him down. And really? Mark Hamill plays his dad. It seems really funny. Sounds fun. Daisy Edgar Jones has been tapped to lead the new Twister reboot called 
twisters. There's yes. not just one anymore. <laughs> there's there's, there's plural twisters. There's plural. Oh my god! Because what we all needed was a legacy reboot to Twister, <laughs> the Bill Paxton classic. <laughs> I fucking love Twister. Yeah, but I can just already see this script like in my head. Yeah. Like I already know what it's gonna be about. <laughs> it's it's like, Twisters. It's cool this time because there's an S. <laughs> the S isn't silent. I believe she's playing the the son of the character that Bill Caxton. I mean the daughter. The daughter of Bill Caxton. Of Bill Caxton. Of Caxton. <laughs> Caxton's son. I believe she's playing the daughter of Bill Paxton's character. We're all over the place in, this morning. In that movie. And uh, who's in it with her? It's Holly Hunter. Holly, Helen. Helen Hunt. Hunt. Holly Helen Hunter. Helen Hunt. Helen Hunt. Helen Hunt. Right. Yeah, Helen Hunt. Helen Hunt. Definitely Helen Hunt. So cool. <laughs> Twisters. Twisters. <laughs> my you favorite character. Do this hand gesture. Well, it's my favorite character from uh, Rocket Power. Twister. Twister. Fucking Jesus Christ. Remake Vertigo. Reboot Twister. Well, speaking of Dante's Legacy is next. Thinking of speaking of legacies, reboots, and sequels. The Exorcist reboot sequel is in pre-production, and Linda Blair has just been cast in the film. She played Reagan, the little girl who is possessed in The Exorcist. Ellen Burstein, who played her mother in the original, was already cast in this sequel. So this is going to be like a legacy sequel to the original The Exorcist. They're going to act as though the other sequels... There were two sequels, I think three sequels actually made. Linda Blair was in a bunch of them. They're basically going to act like that didn't happen, I think. And uh, kind of like the Halloween franchise, yeah. some of them didn't. Well, speaking of the Halloween franchise, the b- mind behind that, David Gordon Green is making and writing this film. <sighs> Evil dies tonight. Evil dies tonight. Evil dies tonight. Demons die tonight. Demons die tonight. So, and speaking, and since The Exorcist is one of my all time personal favorites, I have no interest in seeing this at all. And I. I'm just not happy about it happening. <laughs> I'm just like, why? Why? <laughs> oh my God. God. My God. And, but it seems, and also we have the post-Exorcist that's coming out with Russell Crowe. Actually, yeah. that's pretty cool, but Exorcists, remember they were, they were so hot? In the 2000s. Yeah, so hot were, right now. <laughs> Exorcisms were hot as fuck. <laughs> the problem with Exorcist movies is they're, they just always end the same way. Yeah, <laughs> the, the priest prays, demon leaves, and they're like, probably the priest dies or something. That's like the same ending. Yeah. it's, it's But the Exorcist did it first. Yeah. Anyways, moving on to <laughs> The Perfect Couple. It's going to star Nicole Kidman and Leah Schreiber. It's a new series coming to Netflix. It's planned as a six-episode murder mystery following a Nantucket, Nantucket native, Celeste Otis, who on the 4th of July is about to marry the perfect man who just so happens to be from the wealthiest family in the area. But when a body is discovered floating in the harbor on the morning of what was to be the wedding of the year, everyone at the party is suddenly a suspect. Murder mysteries are hot right now. So hot. Murder <laughs> mysteries, they are coming back. This is based Damn. on a book of the same name. Wow. Cool. Well, I love both those actors, so sign me up. Some disappointing news. Funko has laid off the Mondo staff. So Mondo posters have been getting made for over a decade now, and that creative team has been behind really incredible poster designs for some of your favorite movies. I think uh, I think I try to buy some, but they're, they're just always too pricey. Uh, but they've made some incredible alternative posters for great films. Like, their master poster that they made is so cool. Um, they've actually been liquidated by Funko. 
and the company is pretty much going to cease to exist anymore. So there will no there will no longer be funk, um, Mondo posters being made for films. Mondo was actually owned by the owner of Alamo Drafthouse. Same person owned both companies. They sold Mondo to Funko. Funko tried to get it going. Uh, for a few years, and now they've liquidated the company. I think a problem that they had was they made an entire vinyl record division for film scores, and I think that since vinyl record sales are so tiny, they might have lost a ton of money doing that. So, we'll, I mean, that might be my guess, but yeah, there's no... I mean, maybe Funko lost a lot of money, and they're just trying to yeah. recuperate it. Yeah, by liquidating. That's yeah. Prob- I think that's probably more likely, is Funko mm. maybe overproducing specific characters. Getting rid of assets. Like, yeah. they probably put like so many into production of Funko Pops that don't fucking sell. Yeah. Like who knows? Like obviously some characters are hits and a lot of them sell, but I'm sure there are so many Funko characters that they make and they just end up in a giant warehouse warehouse or Indiana Jones warehouse. And then <laughs> Funko's and then a giant trash city somewhere. It's, you might be right. Yeah. You might be right. Cause they, yeah. I'm sure like these, they've deals with stores and especially like even something like Disney with their action figures, with these resale places or with, Sellers like Target, they have to buy a specific amount, and then they're on the shelves for who knows how long, and then eventually they're just taking hits. Yeah. It could be, yeah, it could be it. It could be both things. Could, could be, be a lot. Could be a lot. A lot but, of I, but they made some great posters. If you aren't aware of them, just Google Mondo movie posters. Get them while you can, because the price is just probably going to skyrocket for them. They'll become collector's items. Definitely. Because sure. they already were, they're limited releases, their posters. Like, they only uh, distribute like a few hundred of each one. Anyways, we got a new trailer for Joyride. This is a raunchy international comedy starring Stephanie Hsu and Ashley Park. It looks like a wild trip. Looks hilarious. I I love raunchy comedies. I'm glad to see that they're still alive and and still getting made. Some good news for theaters. Apple TV has announced plans to start making their films theatrical releases. Fuck yeah. So they're planning to release 12 to 15 movies in theaters every year. And now, we've been saying it since movies got back up and running after lockdown that theaters are where not only all the revenue is, but theaters are where people get excited about movies. They go to the theater, they talk with their friends. Word of mouth makes movies successful. Word of mouth made everything everywhere all, all at once successful. It made it a big hit. Made Top Gun a hit. If everything everywhere all at once came out on Apple TV, it would not have been a success like it was. And I think we were talking about Coda. Apple TV bought Coda from Sunday at Sundance for like $22 million, 32. 32 million. It could have Coda could have made a huge box office run in theaters. It could have been like the standout um, underdog success story. Like Slumdog Millionaire is a similar thing where it just destroyed the theater box office and everybody was talking about it. The, Coda won, obviously. But I think that Apple TV, even for, just for me as a audience person and lover of films like i don't even think i've ever been motivated to get apple tv the only time i used it was for severance when we did an episode on it but that was like they don't have that many films or tv shows to watch and if you want to watch movies you have to rent them on apple tv and so i think they're realizing we need to get films in theaters to get people excited about our movies and then they'll they'll want to subscribe to our to our subscription service so I think a lot of all these studios are beginning to realize once again, studios are super valuable to everybody. And not just, you know, making money at the box office and making that profit because they're not making it on streaming, really, but also making your your film like just live on longer. Yeah. You know, we've we've talked about in that streaming versus versus theaters episode how the rewatch value on a movie that comes out on a streaming platform just is so low compared to a theatrical release. Because that experience of going to the cinema 
makes you just feel so many emotions and have such a joyful experience watching that film that you're going to watch it again and you'll rent it maybe. And like, oh, I remember I saw this last year. I'm yeah. definitely watching it tonight. But if you saw it on streaming, you're less likely to watch that again. So I think that bringing film back to the point where it's not just a, let's make this, put it out real quick to get consumed and then it'll never be heard of again. That's what I feel like a lot of studios are going with right now. Just make something, whatever, just to get people in the theaters, make a quick buck. No one's going to rewatch it ever. And they don't care anymore. But now yeah. I think they're starting to realize like, we, we're still making great movies. Let's bring back the theater experience because it was an odd couple of years, but this is what we have to do. This is where we were. And this was why we were so successful and Hollywood was killing it. Let's get back to that. Yeah, and I think Apple TV and the other ones are realizing, oh, let's get back to being like film studios again. And because they can still get the subscriptions. If people want to watch the movie they love seeing in theaters, they got to go to Apple. So it only makes sense. It only makes sense. I think so too, man. Rings of Power news. Season two has added Kieran Hines and Rory Kinnear, two incredible veteran underrated actors. You've seen them in a ton of stuff. I mean, obviously Kieran Hines... He is Aberforth Dumbledore most popularly, but he's been in so many films. Rory Kinnear's awesome. He was just in Men, Black Mirror, the uh, the pilot episode, right? Of yep, he played the one. He played the PM. Yes, that's right. Nah, <laughs> what the episode? PM and the pig. The PM and the pig. And uh, yeah, um, not sure if I'll watch season two, but that cast is just getting stacked. Gwyneth Paltrow is in court. Yeah, I'm so this is this. this is an interesting story. She's in court right now testifying. <laughs> So apparently a 76-year-old optometrist named Dr. Terry Sanderson has accused the actress and wellness guru of a hit-and-run crash, slamming into him while skiing on a beginner's run at Deer Valley Resort, causing ongoing injuries and then quickly leaving the scene along with her instructor. Specifically, he alleges Paltrow delivered a full-body hit, resulting in permanent traumatic brain injury, four broken ribs, pain, suffering, and loss of enjoyment of life. However, she says that he crashed into her. So she just took the witness stand the other day, uh-huh. there's a bunch of funny viral clips going on like Twitter where like she, she's being asked and she's like, well, I had to miss a half day. I, I lost a half day of skiing th- from the incident. And so like it's pretty, it's pretty funny. But <laughs> like this is where we're at. <laughs> I missed a half day of skiing. Um, I have no idea whose story is right. but I mean, four court- broken ribs. <laughs> Who knows? Well, he's old. He's 76. That's pretty old. Oh, you're right. He but is, she, he is she's old. saying he slammed into her uh-huh. and that she was like, what is happening right now? But I guess when you I believe there's a rule that if you get in a collision while skiing, you're supposed to stay there and exchange information, kind of like a car crash. Uh-huh. I believe that's part of the rules for like skiing on mountains and stuff like oh, that. No, or, I, didn't know I don't that. know if it's a written rule or if it's unwritten, but um, that's kind of like the the thing that you're supposed to do. But I believe she said that her instructor gave the person her information. So she did that, mm-hmm. but she, and I guess he's suing her. He had ser- first sued her for $3 million. Now he's dropped it down to $300,000. <laughs> <laughs> so it's I think 10%, that's not, I don't, yeah. I don't know what's happening, Man. but it's just a pretty interesting It's being story. televised. Yeah. Well, it's on the internet. <laughs> internet bro. It's just the, the clips are really funny of Gwyneth on the, on the stand. I, well, I lost a half day of skiing. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, tough life, dude. <laughs> I saw a video. <laughs> I saw a video. She was on a pod, like a wellness podcast. <laughs> it, was, it was great. <laughs> so she was on a wellness podcast talking about her what she eats, and she said, like, she wakes up and she has, she has uh, like a uh, cold pressed juice, and then she has soup, 
And bone then she, broth. Bone broth. <laughs> and then she has like something else. And then someone, someone on TikTok stitches said, so you starve yourself. <laughs> That's not a diet. You're starving yourself. Yeah, I, I saw the clip too. I'm like, so what'd you eat? <laughs> oh my God, it's so funny. It is. That's like what someone on like a fast would drink. It's just bone broth Hol- and juice. Tough. Hollywood's tough, man. But um, oh, man. that reminds me of a great Steve Martin joke where he, I think he hosted the Academy Awards in like 2003, right? And he goes on stage. He's talking about how many movie stars are in the room. He's like, it takes a lot to be a movie star. To be a movie star, you can either be thin or skinny. <laughs> 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 to be a movie star, you can either be Democrat or skinny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. He's so funny. His timing's way better, but it, it's, oh, yeah, it yeah, cracks yeah, me he's up. He's a funny guy. I he he should host the Oscars again, man. He's a legend. They could get him again. That's <laughs> right. They should have either Chris Rock host or Steve Martin host every year. <laughs> Honestly. Just which, just have them switch up each year. That's, every like the, other. that's the best Oscars joke I've ever heard. It's <laughs> a great joke. That's a great joke. All right. Final bit of news. A Hollywood remake of the Thai film. Bad Genius is going into pre-production starring Benedict Wong, Jabari Banks, and Kalina Lang. This is about a genius-level high school student who makes money after developing elaborate methods to help other students cheat. The Thai film came out in 2017. There was a hit. Nice. Sounds cool. Yeah. Sounds uh, like an interesting story. That's what we got for movie news. So, that was a lot. Yeah, that's quite yeah. a bit. <laughs> Anyways, uh, episodes this week, we got some bangers. Tomorrow on Monday, we're going to do a new segment called Movies from Memory, and so Anthony and I are going to recount Interstellar from memory without looking anything up. We hadn't seen it in about a year and a half. I hadn't seen it for over two years. It's, I think since yeah. we covered it, it was yeah. the last time we saw it in its entirety. And so we just like on the spot recited the whole film. Not like line for line, but scene by scene. We did some lines though. Yeah. We well, obviously we got some, some quotes lines. in there. Yeah. It was and very, we were doing the music too. It was very fun. <laughs> super silly. It was hilarious. But also I think we did a really good job. And I think you're not going to miss miss out on it because it was a lot of fun. It was really entertaining. I enjoyed it. It went better it. than I thought it would be because we started off, I was like, I don't know how this is going to go, man. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. So that was a blast. Then on Thursday, we'll be doing a review of John Wick 4. I mean, John Wick Chapter 4. You get it right, man. Which was a ton of fun. Highly recommend checking it out this week in its release. As well, also probably drop some other reviews, maybe a Hogwarts Legacy review in there. Who knows? Ooh, I think I, I like that idea. Yeah, I mean, it'd be fun to, idea. to get that out there. But yeah, thanks so much for tuning in. Become a patron today at patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast. It is the very best way to support our show. We have different tiers, $2, $5, $10, $25, and $100. Every tier gets access to a weekly bonus episode. We just did one on Gladiator 2. We just Gladiator 2, and we also did Black Hawk Down. And also, yeah. every patron gets access to our... Our weekly chat, which is exclusively on Patreon. So now new episodes of the weekly chat are only going to Patreon. And it's a minimum of $2 to get access to the weekly chat every week and a bonus episode every week. Plus, every tier has awesome perks. In addition to that, $10 gets you access to our Discord, $25. You also get a custom episode. You pick a topic. We'll do it for you. Not to mention our $100, $100 tier is the chosen one tier. It's the, the Rolls Royce. You get <laughs> the watch party. You get the Discord access. You get also a private screening with us, whatever movie you want to watch. And after three months of in that tier, you get to come on the show for a fun guest segment. Usually pop you in for the intermission a little bit after that. It's a lot of fun. Thank you to Patreon so much. And all our patrons for supporting us 
We are eternally grateful for your support. Have a great rest of the day. See you next time. Thank you for watching Raiders of the Lost podcast. Be sure to hit that subscribe button. Hit the like button as well. Notifications for sure. Listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere. You can listen to podcasts. And be sure to check out this other content we have on our YouTube channel.